century number 10 of Brendan Taylor. We're talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th one day international 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Go on, take it. Deep in Wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates here in Cole. He cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the DNet Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. As always, great to be in your company and for you to be in mine as well. And as we always do at the top of the show, just a nice little reminder as to how you can subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening via a friend or family member for the first time, it's pretty simple. You go to your major podcast uh, apps, the various platforms, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Downcast, Google, Pocketcast. You search for Dean at Stumps and you subscribe and you listen to some fantastic interviews the likes of Kumar Sangakara, A.B. de Villiers, Sean Pollock, David Gower, Michael Holding and another one who's about to be added to the list is somebody who's become a very big favorite not only in Zimbabwe especially in Zimbabwe but around the world with his big smile and entertaining uh, brand of cricket that he plays with a huge amount of sportsmanship as well. I am of course referring to Sikanda Raza but great to have you on the show uh, Raza how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dina. How are you? I'm surviving, my friend, getting by, getting by. But I believe congratulations are in order because it's now um, uh, been made uh, public that you will be joining the CPL, Caribbean Premier League. Uh, you must be very, very excited for this to be happening. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly quite excited to, to be going there. It was, it was something I was missing on my CV, but... Um, but but with every recognition, I try and bring myself to more humility, and uh, I think the feeling that I feel right now is a lot more humbling than excitement at the moment, to be honest. Um, so yes, I'm quite humbled to be part of TKR, and uh, it is exciting times. Hopefully, all goes well, and uh, and the flight and the airspace and the embassies and everything goes goes uh, goes to open and, and and smoothly, and hopefully, I can make my way to Caribbean. It'll be absolutely fantastic. Give us an idea, all things being well with airspace, visas and so on, of some of the players who you'll be sharing a dressing room with. Um, look, my team is, is full of excitement players, exciting players, to be honest. Um, well, put it this way, we've got Lendl and, and Sunil Narayan. Um, but then, of course, we have the Bravo brothers, the DJ and the Darren. Uh, of course, we have the Caribbean um, captain leading the squad, which is um, Karen Pollard. Yeah. Um, apart from that, we've got a very young, exciting prospect from the ICC Americans, which is Ali Khan, which is making a name for himself in the T20 um, circuit around the world. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've got uh, the the Wiki keeper. Uh, we've got Praveen Tambe from India. Of course, we've got Farad Ahmed from Australia. Um, we've got Manas, I mean Colin Monroe from New Zealand. So, yeah, look, it's quite a quite a nice bunch of lads with different nationalities in one changing room. And, um, yeah, the best part of it that all of us play exciting brand of cricket and the head coach is Brandon McCullum. Oh, my goodness me. So you're going to certainly be with, with somebody who really actually revolutionized cricket in many ways with the way that, that he went about uh, his business as well. And I guess something, Raz, that I've certainly never experienced in the flesh, I've heard it on radio and, and, and heard it on television, 
that sounds a bit silly, listened, watched it on television, <laughs> is the Caribbean is one big party, isn't it? I mean, just, just party in the sense that the grounds are so vibrant and so festive, which will be something that I would imagine will appeal to you as well. Um, I think as much as it does um, appeal to me, but I think I'm not sure if the if the CPL will be behind closed doors or not. If the fans yeah, are allowed, then it's enough. great. If they're yeah. not allowed, I think it is a big party in a way that how they actually go on about their cricket. For me, the party is what they're referring to. For me, that is, of course, the yeah. party and after party. For me, the big, big party and the actual party for me is how they play their cricket, and it's so exciting and so fast that it is a party it is it is either a party for a batter or a bowler there's always runs wickets runs wickets it's quite a fast flowing cricket they play at CPL so I'm quite excited for that absolutely Right, Raz, I'd like you to take us back to your your childhood, your, the very beginning. And it's I don't really know how many people actually know about it. So uh, obviously bo- born in Pakistan. And um, d- tell us about your, your, your time growing up in Pakistan and, and who the cricketers were that influenced you as you grew up. Um, look, I think I think me growing up in Pakistan is no different to any other kid growing in Pakistan. Why I say that is because yes, I was a huge lover for gully cricket, which is basically a name for street cricket. I used to play my cricket in the streets of my town, which is Sialkot, and uh, yeah, you know that's about it to be honest. I, but I was I was into my studies. It was for me. It was it was always about studies, and and yes, the weekend was for cricket only, but. The little I played in my childhood, I absolutely enjoyed it, whether it was in the ground, at the ground, I mean, or in the streets. I absolutely used to love it. Sounds absolutely wonderful. And were there any cricketers you looked up to at that time, you know, international cricketers who you admired? We, we all, I guess, had a, a, you know, a player that we admired growing up, whether we turned out to just be a, a cricket fanatic or a cricketer. Was there anybody who you really looked up to back in those, in those days? Um, I looked up to the game itself because I used to love the game. Um, but because I was never meant to be a cricketer, when I say that, what I mean by that is because I wasn't looking forward to being a cricketer. For me, it was education and studies and being a fighter pilot and stuff. I think the reality and the real things really hit me when I got medically unfit and, and I couldn't be a pilot. But at that time, I, I used to love watching Saeed Anwar. I used to just absolutely love watching him. And what made him, because he was a very special batsman, wasn't he? Just was it, was it the way that he moved around or was it his presence at the crease? Were there certain shots that he played? Because like you, I was a f- very big fan of side one and I particularly remember a very good 100 that he scored back in 2000 in the Champions Trophy. That was just superb for Pakistan. But of course, he did many great things before and after that. So what, what made you uh, admire side on as much as you did? I think now that I'm a cricketer, so I can say it. I think I think I, I admired him for something that I never that I never managed to find, and that was elegance in, in cricket. <laughs> he was just elegant, team. <laughs> and then, of course, your family decided to to move and and to emigrate. Um, and uh, but in the meantime, you also started doing some studies in Scotland, which is where uh, that uh, lovely combination, a bit of a Scottish accent of yours, also comes through, which is <laughs> I find lovely to listen to. I just find fascinating you know I always find myself being very fascinated by the way you talk and and because it's wonderful you speak with authority command and respect and uh, what you say people respect and uh, the way that you respect people as well but anyway enough of that what I'd like to find out a bit more is uh, how did it come about that you and your family then decided to move 
Um, it wasn't a family initially, to be honest. My father had few. Um, my father was in Japan, and he had few. Um, he had few customers in Zimbabwe, so he he basically came to Zimbabwe, and uh, instead of going back to to Japan, he decided that he wants to basically open something in Zimbabwe before he could go back to Japan. But once he started operating in Zimbabwe, I mean, just like all of us, he also fell in love with the country and. Uh, and that's when he decided that it's time basically to migrate to Zimbabwe with family. And that's where the idea came from. And that's basically what happened. And, and was it a very big um, culture shock or adjustment for you? Because I would imagine when you initially arrived in Scotland and, and Zimbabwe that, you know, uh, English obviously isn't your first language. So you wouldn't have spoken it so fluently as you do now. How, how did that happen? Because it's remarkable listening to you talk. Um. Yes, English wasn't our first choice of language and things like things like that. But 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 then you know, because of our studies, it's, it's not that we didn't know how to speak. Yes, there was that barrier of shyness because it's not a it's not a language that's that's used in Pakistan. Especially not at that time anyway. It's a lot more it's a lot more in use now. If you if you ask me, and uh, I think I think it was it was it was slightly like I guess it was a challenge at the start. Um, you know, when we were settling in, in Zimbabwe, because even even the Muslim and the Pakistani community was very small. So our circle was very small. And even within our community, we, we hardly use English. But, you know, we started to speak. And, and, and when especially I think the real, real catalyst for me was when I started uh, to play cricket. And, and that's when you have to speak English because because of because of the teammates and stuff like that. And when I moved to Scotland, I tell you, now that was a real shock because as much as I've been to Zimbabwe for, uh, I was in Zimbabwe for a year before I moved to, to Scotland. I promise you when I went there, I thought, I, I don't know what they're talking. I, I thought all my life I've been, I've been taught wrong English in Zimbabwe. We don't speak the real English. This is something different. Yeah. They said it's English, but I can't understand it. Luckily I had some sort of relative there who kind of helped me to settle down and, and yes. So the culture shock that was there was, it didn't really last for too long, but it was a shock at the start. I tell you what, uh, I've spoken English all my life. And when I hear some of the Glaswegians and the guys from all over Scotland, when they, especially when they've had a few whiskeys, to understand them is zero. It's uh, very, very difficult. So <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, totally you understand. know my pain then. <laughs> Uh, Raz, and and, and then so after doing your studies in Zimbabwe, the first time I knew who you were was the inaugural T20 tournament here in Zimbabwe, the Stanbic 20 tournament, which was uh, very successful. It didn't last particularly long, but wow, a lot of people, players and spectators had huge amounts of fun. And you were playing for what was known as the Southern Rocks, the Mashingo-based team. And we just saw this this incredible talent at the top of the order playing with freedom, playing with a whole amount of of flair. You may say that there was no elegance in the way that you play, but but in some ways they were because of the dynamics that you bought. It was something that you know a lot of Zimbabweans wouldn't have witnessed before. Was that when you decided that look, if I stick around here and if I get my passport and so on in order, this is the country I'd like to represent? Um, yeah, look, you know, I think before I answer that, the background of the story was, yes, I did kind of join cricket and it was a year off that I took off studies to try my luck right. and I was just having throwdowns, not, it wasn't in the game, it wasn't in the net, it was just gentle throwdowns and at that time, Mr. Gibbon McConey was the CEO of that Southern Rocks based franchise. 
So he saw me from far away, and after I was done throw down, it was just a training day that day anyway, and because I was representing Mash- uh, Mashallah and Eagles B team at that time. Right. So, you know, we used to train slightly later than the A team. So it was just me and a friend of mine who was just having throw downs, and he called me after my training. He was at the... He was at the, sitting at the VIP. He said, young man, if you make your way to Mashwinga tomorrow, our practice starts at 9 a.m. If you make it before practice, I will certainly give my, I will certainly try my best to give you an opportunity to stand back. And that is how I got picked for Rocks. Me. So the world or you or Zimbabweans know that I, I got picked by Rocks and I did well, da, da, da. But what people do not know is how lucky I got and how I got picked. So that's how I got picked. And uh, that's where the journey in Zimbabwe started. And then instead of carrying on, Dean nicely went back to finish my um, degree. I went back, got my degree, came back, got my contract, and that's how it all started then. And that's how it all started. But your time with the Rocks would have been quite interesting because you would have rubbed shoulders with Sean Irvin, who had been established as, uh, well, he's a Zimbabwean, but obviously playing a lot of cricket with Hampshire. Ian Harvey, I remember Ian Harvey, the former Australian all-rounder, was there. And uh, and, and uh, also you, you spent a bit of time with Brian Lara as well, which must have been incredible for you. Uh, look, all the three guys um, you mentioned have certainly, uh, you know, proved uh, helpful. As a matter of fact, more than helpful with the knowledge they shared and with the help I got. But among that, I think you're also forgetting Steve Ticola and Thomas Adoya because Absolutely. they were regular part of Rocks. I thought I had more time with them. Yes. And also, also, I think it was one year. I think we had Stuart Matsakaneri, Tatenda Taibu, and LT basically come into Rocks as well. And these were three established international cricketers, so I managed to spend time with them as well. And because I was sharing um, the, the the house we were in with Craig Irvin, I thought Craig Irvin also played a huge role in my development as a cricketer as well. So all these guys have played their parts, basically, to develop me as a cricketer. And they all must get the uh, due credit because um, I, I will forever be indebted to them for what they've done for my career. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned the names Steve Tocola and Thomas Odoya because they were very good cricketers, but who, because possibly of the fact that they came from Kenya, that they didn't always get the recognition that they deserved. Um, look, I, maybe people perceive differently. For me, I, I really do not care which country you come from or what, who you represent and what, what, what. As long as you made a difference in my life, as long as you've taught me something, I'll forever be indebted to you and I will never forget that. And hence, I mentioned these names. Yeah. Well, it's good. I'm, I'm very grateful that you did because they were very special cricketers in their own unique manner and they contributed in their own unique manner to Kenya's success in the 2003 World Cup and, and triangular tournaments before and after that as well. So, so then uh, let's fast forward a bit and I, I want you to, to please give us a bit of a build up or you know what it is like for you now making your way uh, sort of taking one step at a time closer to eventually representing Zimbabwe I mean uh, so now suddenly you're on the verge of becoming not just a, a very aggressive T20 and one day player now you're on the verge of also playing test cricket and rubbing shoulders with, with uh, test cricketers around the world as well tell us a bit about that uh, look, I, I know I made my white, white ball debut, which was, of course, I, I started with the ODI and then I went to the T20. But I never thought that I, or I never felt, or I never had that thing in my head that I don't want to play test cricket, I just want to remain white ball. I always wanted to play test cricket. It, there's just something about test cricket that I cannot describe in words. Um, so I was constantly working towards that, and I, and I made my debut, and I was working, and, and I was told that hopefully within a year's time, you know, you'll play test cricket. So I said, that's cool. So I was in the squad as a as a 12th man and and here I am rocking up 
for the first test against Pakistan, and I see head coach uh, Bundawala walking towards me, um, you know, with a bit of a panic, and he's like, "Raza, Raza, you're playing today." Oh, BD can't make it. So I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, yeah, BD can't make it. He had a, so basically Mason was born yes. on the day of the first test against Pakistan. So basically from the Nets to, from Sports Club Nets to basically the chain, you know, because you have to hand in your phones, I quickly made a phone call to only one person, which was my dad. I said, dad, I'm playing today. And that's all I can tell you. I'm making my debut against Pakistan in a test match. So I hung up. And that was that, to be honest. That is amazing, and how nice, isn't it, that you could actually reach out to your dad, the man who has so much influence, just as my late dad had influence in my career as well, and tell him that you're making your debut. But then, Raz, so now you're making your debut against the country of your birth. That That's quite bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure it's happened with many other cricketers around the world, but you make your debut against the country of your birth. And uh, Zimbabwe didn't play too badly in that first test match, but now suddenly it's the second test match, same venue, and Zimbabwe leveled the series by winning the test match, Tendai Chatara getting man of the match, but you were also a part of the team and the squad. What was it like being able to actually play a test match against the country of your birth and beat them? Um, yes. Um, look, I thought because I had a few friends in Pakistan cricket team, so, you know, it was it didn't really hit me that hard that I'm playing against a country that... So it was more of a pali-pali kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, Dean, I've always tried to maintain a level of respect which is similar for any nation I play against. So, so Pakistan will not get more uh, respect or for, for, from me than any other country. At the same time, Pakistan will also not get any less respect if I'm playing a higher nation. So I, I, I try and play each nation with the, with the maximum amount of respect that I can give it to those countries and their sports people and the, and the, and the guys who are playing. But that's about it. Um, I don't fluctuate in, in the level of respect I show when I'm playing Australia or when I'm playing UAE. For me, it's an international game and my focus is the fact that I'm representing Zimbabwe and nothing else matters to me. It's, it's, it's far more the most important thing to me that I'm representing the bird that I have on my chest. And that's where it counts, and that's where it matters, and that's where it starts, and that's where it ends. Yeah, absolutely. So you, there wasn't a little bit of sort of nostalgia or homesick and thinking, gosh, I actually could have been playing for Pakistan, or perhaps I would have liked to have played for Pakistan, and now I'm playing for Zimbabwe, and now I'm playing against the country of my birth. Nothing like that. Oh, never, because don't forget, remember at the start of our interview, I did tell you that I never wanted to be a cricketer Indeed. when I was in Pakistan anyway. It wasn't the aspirations I had. I just wanted to be a fighter pilot. This cricket thing hit me when I was in Zimbabwe. Um, suddenly, I had a good year in Stanbic, and, and the next thing you know, I was given an opportunity, and I took it. It just happened like that. And 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 as you can tell, the way I got my Stanbic debut as well was, was just... Sheer luck, I guess. I was, a, I, was, I was just lucky. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I was blessed. You, I think you are blessed. Yeah, I, I, I will not say lucky. I'll say blessed. And you took the opportunity and uh, you made the most of it, which is absolutely wonderful. So, so in, your, in your time with Zimbabwe, what have been some of the happier series that you remember? I know, I know Zimbabwe's tour of 2017 of Sri Lanka. That will surely stand out as one of the ones that you enjoyed the most. But, you know, were there any other series, both in Zimbabwe and away, that you will remember as an old man and say, Gosh, do you remember that? We had such fun on that tour and we played such good cricket against against quality opposition. Believe it or not, the tour to Pakistan was quite fun. As much as people say, oh, but you guys were indoors, you guys couldn't get outside. I love being in Pakistan, I know. The reason, be the reason I'm saying that is because we were all together. 
I mean, I remember the corridor will just have, if, if a guy is awake, he will just leave his door open. Guys are walking from one room, going into another. There's such a buzz in the hotel. Uh, and, and, and I think it shows as well because we actually played a really quality brand of cricket at Pakistan as well. I, I mean, I know we lost the two ODIs, but we were very close to winning them. We were constantly scoring 300s. Yes. And, and not only that, um, the third ODI that got done because of the rain, we were on our way to, to win it because that was the first ODI we restricted Pakistan under 300. It was 260 or 70 and we were 90 for no loss. So, you know, believe it or not, Pakistan was great fun for me. I, I absolutely loved uh, touring Pakistan and the other tour, as you mentioned, Sri Lanka. Um, trying to think uh, which other tour that comes to my mind quickly. Uh, look, I think I think in any tour where Zimbabwe is winning, you know, suddenly there's a bit of a buzz about uh, wherever we are. There's a buzz about uh, going in the changing room in the in the hotel and things like that. So every time Zimbabwe is doing well, you know, the tour for me just becomes just special. Mm. Absolutely. That tour of Sri Lanka, though, was wonderful, Raz, because, you know, back back home in Zimbabwe, so Zimbabwe won the first one-day international and, and spectate, well, the fans are happy and they say, all right, well, we've seen Zimbabwe do this in the past. They go 1-0 up in the series, but they're never really able to to continue where they left off and Sri Lanka leveled the series with a comfortable win and, you know, the, the funny, the social media tweets were normal service resumes, you know, because now, of course, <laughs> we, now, we now, and but now suddenly we get into a situation we're going into the fifth and final one-day international and it's locked at two games apiece. Now, I can tell you that back in Zimbabwe, I had no fingernails whatsoever. I had pulled all the hair out of my head, which is why I'm so bald now, thanks to you guys. <laughs> and what was it now like going into that fifth game? I mean, probably you're going to tell me we just treated it like any other game, you know, nothing really at stake here. Or were there a few nerves in that dressing room going into that fifth and final uh, one day? As a matter of fact, no, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, we discussed the fact that it's a final, the fact that there's a trophy on the line, the yes. fact that there's recognition on the line. We did discuss these things for us. That fifth game wasn't just the game because it wasn't just the game. Yes, people do say that, but for me, it wasn't just a game. For me, it was it was it was crunch time. For me, it, it is basically recognition time. The Zimbabwe is going to get a lot of recognition if we win the series. We'll be the only country to be Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. We have we're the only country of chased on three hundred in Sri Lanka and things like that. So we, as much as we had few sort of recognition that we received from Sri Lanka, but no, the final game wasn't just the game. Not for some of the senior members in the squad. And and you were able to get to orchestrate that one magnificently because, again, it seemed like, you know, the team batting first was always or more than likely going to be the one who was going to um, struggle to maintain maintain the team batting second or to restrict them. Um, only Zimbabwe didn't bat particularly. Um, uh, so suddenly Zimbabwe now get themselves into a situation where it could go either way. A couple of very uh, Masakadza and Mire getting Zimbabwe off to a good start. And then there's that little bit of a hiccup in the middle where young Tari Musakanda got out looking good and then gets out. And you had to make very sure that, that the team got over the line. Uh, so who were you in communication with? Malcolm Waller, I believe, was batting with you at the time um, and other batsmen as well. What, what was the message that you were conveying but with, with the batsman who you were with at the crease? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought that the partner with uh, uh, Graham Creamer was a crucial one. I, I, my partnership with any other guys didn't really last long. I think it was it was the 27 or 30 run partnership with, yeah. with, with Creamer that I found 
was the most tricky one, but no, it was one of the toughest partnerships I've had to have. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll say the same because Malinga was reversing, so it wasn't easy to play Malinga, and then it started to turn and bounce. So Akila wasn't easy to play. Hasaranga was playing as well. So it, look, it was a mixture, but but I thought the way Graham batted as well and how we we didn't hit many boundaries, but it's how we found those ones and twos here and there because we had lots of overs anyway. And yeah, I think that that for, for me that's what basically made us won the game that grand partnership and 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 just the elation and excitement in your voice because you obviously were a uh, man of the series as well so the 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 genuine joy in your voice you know told me how much it meant to you um, and that's a point I was going to get to and you thankfully you actually brought that up as it told me how much that meant to you and that excitement was now carried across into the one off test match that was played between the two teams in colombo Goodness me, Raz. I mean, that, that was a test match that ebbed and flowed beautifully. And, and it was a test that Zimbabwe could so easily have won. I, would have, I mean, there were a couple of very good performances. Craig Irvin's first innings 100 was very special. Graham Creamer's Pfeiffer was good. Your 100, getting Zimbabwe out of a tricky situation in the second innings, was absolutely gold. And, and if I remember correctly, well, just listening to the commentators, you weren't feeling particularly well at times when you were scoring that 100. Is that right? Um, yes, team. Basically, what happened was because we went to Holland, we went to uh, Scotland, and then we went to Sri Lanka, and we had a lot of games. So, being an all-rounder as well, you know, I had to manage my workload and the conditions and things like that. So, basically, when I I remember when I when I walked into when we first landed in Sri Lanka, I was I was seventy we were seventy three kgs. By the time I finished my test match, I was sixty seven kgs, something like that. So, I lost a lot of weight. And uh, dehydration, of course, we uh, you can hydrate as much as you can, but you know sometimes it, it happens. So basically, yes, I, I, I was feeling dizzy. I was I was struggling to concentrate. Um, but 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 I tell you, one man that gets a lot of credit was Ian Gould. Gunner was absolutely crucial for me in that inning because every time I went to non-striker end and I, I would feel dizzy under my helmet, he would stop the game and says, "Sit down. Uh, I'll call the doctor in." And he would ask doctor for the feedback that is this guy fit to carry on. Wow. It's just a game. It's no more important than your life or anything. Son, you take your time. Da, da, da. If you have to go out, you go out. But I will not let you carry on if I see you're not fit to bat. So I felt the way Gunnar, Ian Gould basically to control and how he, how he, he, was, he wasn't giving me any favors, but it's just, it's just how he was basically keeping an eye on me, monitoring them, making sure that because it's sometimes responsibility is that everyone is safe and it's a safe environment and I wasn't feeling well. So, you know, uh, he has a lot of, I, ha I have a lot of respect for him for what he did that day. Yeah, a fantastic umpire and a wonderful human being is Ian Gould. And, and, and there were two significant partnerships, weren't there? There was one with, with PJ Moore that got, that sort of got the innings back on track again. Then PJ got a bit of a lapse in concentration, got a short ball, mistimed the pull shot, got out, and uh, you must have thought, oh my goodness, we just got the innings back on track. Then Peach gets out, along comes Malcolm Weller and plays a very aggressive brand of cricket, which I would imagine would have helped you to focus on, you know, inching your way towards what was a very crucial hundred. Uh, I'll tell you, Malcolm was special that day. I mean, I mean, we, we all know Malcolm as well, the way he hit the ball and things like that. He, he basically was scoring runner ball. And, and, and I think because of his inning, I think the, I was getting less and less under pressure and I was getting less and less of those balls that were looking to get me out. I think, I think it was one of those guys, let's try and contain Zimbabwe instead of getting out Zimbabwe, if you know what I mean. Yes. So yeah, look, Malcolm, Malcolm's innings was also very special along with the PJs and, and their, their partnership certainly helped to, for me to get to my 100. 
Absolutely. Tell me something, Raz. Would you ever one day like to captain Zimbabwe? Would you like to be the test captain and ODI captain, or are you very happy in your current space? Um, look, yes, it's a, it's a recognition that I think uh, that every, every cricketer sh- should have to lead the country. Um, it's, it's up to, of course, the people who make the decision to see if I'm deemed fit to captain or not. But alhamdulillah, if it happens one day, it happens. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. But, but what, what we try and encourage is that regardless of um, the captain, I, I try and lead myself so that the captain doesn't have to worry about me. So if I cannot captain the team, I captain myself or my surroundings or people around me and things like that. So you show a lot of respect to the captain on the park and off the park um, and, and, and you help as much as you can. And the way you can help him is make sure you captain yourself by being in the right position, by being where you're told to be and not drift here and there, which can, of course, help the captain and the ball and things like that. So, you know, I try and take control of that. I try and make sure that there's one less worry for the, for the actual skipper. And that will be Raza. He's in the right position. We don't have to tell him to go where and what. When is he bowling? What's the plan? Things like that. So yeah, you know, if 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 uh, if you put it like that, yeah, I try and captain myself. But if one day, um, if 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 Zimbabwe decides, then yes, it will be a it it will be a challenge, but it will be a blessing at the same time, and it will be an honor to lead the team as well. Uh, so finally, Raz, you, you've made a huge amount of fans and friends around the world and here in Zimbabwe. Every time you come out to bat, be it at uh, Harare Sports Club or Queens, the infamous Raza, Raza chant goes up, whether it's from 25 people or 2,500 people. It's, it's people have come to not only respect you, but love you. What would you like to, uh, are there any words of encouragement you have for a potential up and coming Sikanda Raza Bhatt, for example? Um, well, I'll, I'll break this down in, in two parts. First of all, the journey that I am on, and I mean it from the bottom of my head, that this journey would have been made a lot more difficult or even impossible if I, if I hadn't had the love and the support that I received, not just when I'm on the park or when I'm off the park. It's sometimes a small message from a random person that I get it on my phone and things like that. So I've, I've gone through some troubled times. I've gone through some good times. There have been constant messages from a lot of people who have shown a lot of love to me. And and and, and, and to be honest with you, I, I will forever cherish those moments and love you for what you've done for me to basically be there in my in my low times as such. And for the next Sikandar Raza, I, I, I think Zimbabwe will find not just Sikandar Raza, I wish and pray and I will play. If I have to play a role, I will identify in finding a better version of this Sikandar Raza so that Zimbabwe and him can go forward. Absolutely. You know, it's just amazing that despite the, the setbacks uh, and the disappointment of not qualifying for the World Cup, the, the fan base has still, has never diminished. It's never ever, you know, you don't see less people go to the ground. In fact, at times we've seen, uh, you know, pretty big crowds whenever players become available. And that is because there still is such a love for you and the entire Chevron setup. So, Sikandar Razabat, thank you for taking time out to be with us. We really appreciate you having a chat with us and we wish you nothing but the very best for what is still hopefully a long and prosperous future in the game of cricket. Um, Ding, I thank you for your time and I would love to speak to you hopefully in the near future again. You've been listening to the Dean at Stuns podcast. Thank you so much indeed and uh, thank you once again to Sikandar Razabat. We'll be back pretty soon. Until next time, it's goodbye. Been listening to DNet Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast. 